We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Odyssey Station. The score! Hit and run Sundays from 9 a.m. till noon. Had a chance to take the lead here in the 10th. Abreu hammers this ball into right center field, and this will give the White Sox the lead. Extra bases for Jose. Two to one in the 10th. Still nobody out. Up the middle, that's into center field for Luis Robert. Here comes Abreu. Hernandez is throwing his late. Robert into second base. Three to one White Sox. Still nobody out. On one two. On the ground at shortstop. Tim's got it. His throw is five in a row for the White Sox. What a comeback for this team. Shut out through eight. Three runs in the final, two trips to the bat rack, and this is exactly the team that we thought we were going to see rattling off win after win behind that effusive closer. The runners take their leads, the set, there they go, the pitch, a swing and a smash, fair inside third, down the left field line, this could clear the bases. One run is in, two runs are in. Here comes the third run to the plate, scoring on a three-run double by Mookie Betts. And the Dodgers lead four to one. Fly ball, right center. Shallow right, actually, racing in. Betts still coming, makes the catch. And the Dodgers win game one by a score of seven to nothing. The one-two. Drilled in the air, trouble deep left. This is going to be a long home run. Mookie Betts, a two-run homer, and the Dodgers now lead by a score of six to two. Stretched by Kimbrel in the pitch. Hayward hits one in the air, right center field and deep. Back goes Bellinger near the warning track. On the track, makes the catch, and the ball game is over. Bellinger able to make the catch after a long run. Jason Hayward is retired. And so are the Cubs. As the Dodgers have won the ball game by a score of six to two. 
Welcome in to Hit and Run on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, I am Mark Grody in for Matt Spiegel today on this Mother's Day. And happy Mother's Day to you. That will be There will be plenty Mother's Day theme on today's show. But if I was a White Sox fan right now, I would be feeling so much better right now than I did about, say, like, the fifth or sixth game of that eight-game losing streak where I think Sox fans and even analysts were saying to themselves, wait a minute, is this just a bad little streak here in the season? They've lost eight in a row, or is this really what this team is? Not very good and pretty sloppy and all of that. Sox fans should be feeling a lot better today because while their five straight games have not occurred against great teams, the Cubs and the Red Sox, and Boston is not a particularly good team, these are still good wins. These are these are road victories for the White Sox, playing better baseball, imperfect for sure. Sox no doubt about a, that. Sox left a lot of men on base yesterday. But it it's getting better, and we will talk a lot about that in the White Sox and things that they are doing better and things that still need to be tightened up for the White Sox, like like the guy who is pitching today. Big day for Dallas Keuchel, and the White, the White Sox have a obnoxious 10.35 start this morning on the, the Peacock Network. You could also watch it on NBC5, so I don't think you have to worry about finagling to get the Peacock Network. They're, but on, uh, a, they're on Peacock today. I didn't know that. Yeah. they're on, you, Seriously, you didn't know that? For real, real? <laughs> I, I knew they were on NBC today. I didn't know it was also on Peacock. That's uh, that's so weird to me. Yeah. No, they're, they're the, the Sox, well, they were on Apple TV Plus on right. Friday as well, Sean. Right. So, I, I did know that. Now, is Benetti calling the game on uh, NBC, or is it someone else? He is. That's he is, so but weird. It's, <laughs> but it is considered a national broadcast. So it's actually Jason Benetti, Steve Stone, and you ready for this? Three, two, one. Kevin Euclid will be doing <laughs> the the analyzing that's cool so, though i guess because he's obviously they're playing the red Sox. So. oh yeah yeah no you can you can get it I, I don't know if he does broadcasting regularly but yeah it's an interest it's been an interesting weekend for white Sox fans yesterday was the easiest day it was just on plain old nbc sports chicago come on home the white Sox are right here but today gets a little bit tricky and i i don't think like i said the game is on nbc5 I think the idea of it is it is Peacock. So probably, hey, this you get your freebie here, but going forward, unless you have Xfinity, which I do, I don't know that you get Peacock for free. So, yeah, the White Sox at Boston, 1035 this morning on Peacock or NBC5. It is a Dallas Keuchel, Micah Waka pitching matchup so we're going to try to cram in a bunch of white Sox before the, the their game starts including a couple of things at 9 40 we will have white Sox beat writer for chgo sports vinnie duber will join us he'll be on at 9 40 we'll talk about the white Sox five game winning streak and what it has meant and dig into the minutiae of the game um, also, White Sox-wise, at the top of the hour, I've been told that on Inside the Clubhouse yesterday, 
that Bruce Levine and David Haw had a great interview with Lucas Giolito, which unfortunately, shame on me, I have not heard yet. But for me, it will be brand new, and hopefully for a lot of you guys, it will be brand new as well. Uh, so Lucas Giolito on the score at uh, 10 o'clock. We'll dig more into the Cubs in, at 1040 with Cubs reporter Tony Andraki of the Marquee Sports Network. And then at uh, 11 a.m., this morning, and, and this was a good idea by Sean Sears because we kind of had anticipated that this might be a rough weekend for the Chicago Cubs, which it has be has been swept in a doubleheader yesterday. So you know maybe it's time to start looking at a, taking a closer look at some of the Cubs prospects and dig into. What could be next? What is the next wave of players for the Chicago Cubs? And to do that, we will rely on the expertise of Kyle Glazer of Baseball America. And uh, one of his areas of focus is to talk about Major League Baseball's top prospects. We will focus on the Cubs. And I know he wrote like a great piece on Pete Crow Armstrong. PCA, the, baby. Oh, is that, is that what we're calling him? That's <laughs> that's what we're calling him, Mark. <laughs> See, this is I, I have only begun my studies on the prospects. I, of course, I know the names. We hear the names, but sure. Oh, I got you. So we're going PCA. We gotta, we gotta shift like, gears a little bit. I know, like we haven't done like prospect watch probably since like 2014, maybe, right? I know. I know. I've kind of been resisting it too because right. it does suggest that your team is bad, and that's your only hope is the the wave of players. But PCA. Oh yeah, yeah. we're gonna yeah. have to. I'll have to make a uh, what's that thing from Anchor Man where he's like Panda Watch and the uh, the uh, <laughs> you know the air is thick. We tried to get an interview with him. He said no. You literally ripped his arms off or whatever. <laughs> we'll have to get. I'll mix that in with PCA. We'll make it work. Uh, okay. And and I you know what cut I need to hear from from Anchor Man at some point in time during the show today. Sean Sears. Sean oh, Sears our executive. It's producer. ready. Don't worry. We'll, okay. we'll work it in. Just anytime you feel like it, wherever it feels comfortable. And def- I was going to say, don't force it. But definitely, if the time doesn't feel right, you're going to need to force it at some point in time. But, yeah, Pete Crow Armstrong, the Cubs' uh, 20-year-old center fielder prospect, playing for Myrtle Beach, the low-A Carolina League. So we will dig into all things PCA with with Kyle Glazier and all the, the guys. You know what I want to focus on? And I always have a sheet with me that I have not thrown away since last year at the trade deadline, and that is all the big Cubs heavies that were traded at the, at the deadline and the prospects that they received for them. And I always have those guys in mind, so we will ask about the haul that the Cubs got for all of the, the Javier Baez trade, the Anthony Rizzo trade, the uh, Chris Bryant trade to San Francisco, and maybe even you know some of the, the smaller deals to see if any of those guys are starting to pop of course we will talk about brennan davis ed howard our guy bryce ball who we could Bri- remember a couple weeks ago that's right and you just did is bryce ball still in the organization he the is. lefty first baseman he's hit uh i think he hit like he's hit four home runs to start the year so far oh my god okay so we, got, so we have lots of do we call him bb is he yeah. BB? hey <laughs> yo what's up double b i haven't come up with a nickname yet for him but we'll, we'll work it out double b yo, double b double b is watching the pca right now pca <laughs> to the double bb I love it. I love it. Yeah, so Bryce Ball, who I remember when 
he came to the Cubs and he it was like the thought was, oh, he's the next Anthony Rizzo because he's big and he's lefty and he hits home runs. And then he was in South Bend and really not doing anything. But according to Sean Sears, he has been doing stuff. So maybe if we have time, it sounds like we're going to run out of time eventually with Kyle Glazer, but we will ask him about Bryce Ball as well. You are certainly welcome to to join the show here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. It is hit and run. Mark Grody in for Matt Spiegel. Always love interacting with you guys at 312-644-6767. That is the number to call or to text for sure. I know that traditionally on hit and run, like through the years and all the different manifestations of the show, that Mother's Day and, and Father's Day, but today is, is strictly Mother's Day, that if you want to talk about your your mother's memories as it pertains to sports. That is certainly open game. I love hearing your Mother's Day stories at 312-644-6767 to call or to text. Two stand out for me, and they are both directly related to when I was doing pre- and post-game on the Cubs. I did pre- and post from 2015 through 2017. And I in 20 – God, it could have been any year, but I'm just going to say it was 2016 – my mom, I, I remember her saying, because as parents will do, you know, they because I was doing pre and post for the Cubs. I mean, they're already Cubs fans, and they're actually pretty good sports fans, so they probably would have been paying attention to the Cubs anyway, but in particular because I was, you know, sort of part of that whole thing. And my mom one day said, you know, I really like that Joe Madden. He he's just like such a nice guy and he just he's just so positive and I just like the way he talks. I think what my mom was trying to say is that she she likes the vibes of Joe Madden. And you can say whatever you want about Joe Madden as a manager, but there were, you know, there were Matt Spiegel esque vibes always coming from him. He was vibrating on a different frequency all the time was was Joe Madden talked to anybody nice to anybody always had a specific conversation for everybody so I I took that to Joe I I got on to a team bus one day I don't remember where we were it's easy to forget get onto the team bus and J- Joe was just sitting there about fourth row or so maybe maybe first or second actually and I said hey Joe I just I just got to tell you I said I was talking to my mom, and she is a huge Joe Madden fan. And and she was very specific and very pointed about it. And Joe Joe just looks up at me and goes, moms are cool, man. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's right. Moms are cool. And I've always taken that away. That that's, that's the truth. It, it is very, very simple and very basic. But... It is very powerful. Moms are cool. So let it, let us make that the theme of the show today. Moms are cool. 312-644-6767. The other Mother's Day memory I have also occurred in 2016. And this was a good and bad one because it was on 2016. It was May 5th. Excuse me. It was... Yeah, May 8th, 2016, Cubs and Nationals, Mother's Day. You might remember this game. It was a 13-inning game that ended in 
Javier Baez's blast to the left field bleachers to win the game on Mother's Day. With with all the pink, the pink bat, and everybody bouncing around the room at the end of the game. And it was terrific, and it was a blast, and what an honor to do it on Mother's Day and breast cancer awareness and all of that. But the the bummer on that day was that since the game went 13 innings and I had a long post game ahead of me, I missed Mother's Day that day. Not that I wasn't willing to go, but my mom was very practical. And I, I probably had to get up early the next day. And she said, well, you know, I would prefer that, you know, you stay home. And would, I'll see you another time because I don't want to have to worry about you get back and all that kind of stuff but yeah so the Cubs kind of ruined my mother's day on that day although it was a triumphant victory you remember that day right 5 8 16 13 innings Javier Baez the the game-winning home run and on that day the Cubs improved to oh my have things changed to 24 and 6 that was the runaway start of 2016 when the lineup was Dexter Fowler, Jason Hayward, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Ben Zobrist, Jorge Soler, David Ross, Addison Russell, um, Tim Fedorovich. Oh, my God, have I forgotten my pronunciation key? Not not here anymore. Feta not here anymore. Tommy LaStella, um, Adam Warren pitched that day. Jason Hamill was a pinch hitter for some reason that day. Justin Grimm pitched. Travis Wood pitched. Jake Arietta pitched. Uh, who else pitched? Kyle K- Ryan Kalish pitched. Trevor Cahill pitched. And uh, Javier Baez, by the way, was a pinch hitter in that game and ended up playing third base. So he got in before he hit the home run, but that, that was the, the rough draft sketch of that day. And then we turn now to the, the Chicago Cubs of today. And yesterday, the Cubs swept in a, a doubleheader. They lose to the Dodgers 7 nothing in the first game. They fall to the Dodgers 6-2 in game two. And there are plenty of things to talk about from both of those games. But I'm having trouble like building up genuine anger about this Cubs team and this roster. Maybe as a whole and the way the Cubs are going about it, I can be critical but when you look, I pre- you know this is what a lot of us predicted the Cubs would be nine and seventeen, nine games back at this point. I think that they'll probably tighten things up and get closer to five hundred before this thing is all said and done. Unfortunately, there's just really nothing surprising about what is going on with the Chicago Cubs. I mean, I've been a little bit surprised with the start of Marcus Stroman, although he had a nice start his last time around. I've been a little surprised with Kyle Hendricks getting bumpy right out of the gates, but he always has a slump during the season. Maybe he's getting it out of the way early, but there is there is simply not a lot of surprise to the Cubs being 9-17 and 17 right now. And I will give the Cubs credit in this. Here, here's what the Cubs should be credited for, that it seemed like the obsessive goal for this season, what the Cubs wanted to accomplish more than anything, more than winning, more than signing big-time players, more than putting a rotation together, more than having a closer, what they wanted to do, what the Cubs have been obsessed with, is changing their approach at the plate and making contact. They have done that. Cubs have been a contact team, so good for them. The problem has been that the contact has not been productive. 
And just to symbolic of that is that the Cubs have hit into more double plays than any other team in Major League Baseball this year. So they've got step one down, but they got a long way to go before it's the right kind of contact. And I guess it's baby steps. And this is that that was like if you really want to look at what their actual goal was for this season, it was a hundred percent to to make contact with the bats. Everything else seemed a distant second and third if you look at what they wanted to do. I mean they're they're really not developing many players at this point you could say nico horner who who is a who is a thumbs up to me i've talked about nico horner a lot on the overnight show i've been impressed with nico horner this year with with his defense and with his offense but this year is a placement holder year it is a year to change the approach at the plate to change the organizational philosophy so that that is not necessarily going to equal entertaining baseball all of the time but we're going to get a lot more into it i see you guys lining up here and we're going to have time to get to some of your calls here paul and rich and chris and springfield we're going to take a quick break right now come back we will take your calls continue to talk about the cubs and Sox. and at 9 40 we'll get serious with white Sox beat writer for chgo sports Vinny duber i'm mark grody filling in for matt spiegel here on hit and run on chicago sports radio 670 the score the premier baseball show in Chicago, Hit and Run, with Matt Spiegel. Drumming my pain with his fingers, singing my life with his words, killing me softly with his song, killing me softly Nice. my whole life. Roberta Flack, killing me softly. My mom's music right there. Yeah. That know the old school version. Yeah. This is where that's where it all started, kids. Welcome back into Hit and Run on Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score. I'm Mark Rody in for Matt Spiegel today. The Cubs swept in a doubleheader yesterday. Lose to the Dodgers seven zip in the first game. They fall to LA by four runs in game two. Cubs Dodgers tonight, Sunday night baseball, right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score. Marcus Stroman against one Walker Bueller. Very entertaining White Sox game yesterday. And that was a three one win over the Red Sox in ten innings where Jose Abreu and Luis Robert had the money RBI hits in the 10th inning with the automatic runner on base. Big-time sack fly RBI for Lurie Garcia, a ball that I thought was going to get down and do even more damage. But Lurie did the job for sure. That's Tony's guy. The White Sox win. They have won five in a row. They're back to the magical number of 500 at 13 and 13. They are three back in the division. White Sox win an early game today, 1035 on the Peacock Network and NBC5. Dallas Keuchel will be working against Michael Waka. 3-1-2-6-44-67-67 is the number. We've got Vinny Duber coming up in about 15 minutes to talk more about the White Sox. He from CHGO Sports. We go to the phone lines now, and we start with Paul in Valparaiso. Hello, Paul. You're on the score. Hey, Mark. Good morning, and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Uh, yeah, just, I mean, you kind of open it up with the, the show in regards to the Sox. I mean, talking about expectations, I mean, expectations are through the roof with this team, and I, I kind of see last year kind of creeping back in. I mean, I'm sure every every time Steve Stone gets a chance to get on, he'll say, relax, it's early. Um, you know, they they play the schedule they have to play. Don't worry if they beat good teams. But, 
you see what happens in October when you have to face good right-handed pitching. Sox aren't better defensively, probably worse defensively than they were. They continue to beat bad teams, but when they go up against good teams, they struggle. So I understand injuries, but every team, a lot of teams have injuries. And if the expectations are so high, I don't think we should be, you know, doing uh, backflips because they beat the Cubs and the Red Sox in, in games like that. So, I, like I said, I think we're going to get in that same trap. I don't think this team has, has developed as much as they should have. They're still too right-handed batting-wise, even with the, with even uh, you can tell say Moncada's on the uh, DL. But I think it's something they're going to run into when they face, face good right-handed pitching. They struggle, and that's going to they're going to face in the playoffs. I'll let you uh, get to Rich from Old Town. I know next he'll tell us all about Whip and. Uh, He's been on that 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 streak for five weeks. So get get to Rich. I know he's got a lot of stats for it. Thanks, Mark. All right, Paul. This this Paul is he? Did he somehow? Did he get the password for our call screener? What? what That's the wild. <laughs> we'll get to Rich in a second. Oh, this is, has overnight vibes. I should have put I should have put Paul and Rich I on was together. Say, should we get them up there? We're like, hey, guess what, what, Paul? We've got Rich right here. What am I thinking? My God, I do want to respond to what Paul said, though. And and I, I swear to God, Rich is on Rich is on hold. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> How's that happen twice on two shifts we work now? I have no idea. I have no idea. Sean Sears and I perform score overnights at least three times a week, and uh, the the things that go down in those five hours are just deluxe. And if if I can bring that to a Sunday morning on Mother's Day and make mothers smile, then I am so down for that. But it's a good point, actually, that Paul made because one of the bugaboos for the White Sox last year was that they did struggle against winning teams, and it was a big bone of contention towards the end of the year. We were all debating it. Does it mean anything? Does it mean anything? I was definitely team it means something because, yeah, you're going to play good teams in the postseason, so that can be an indicator of how well you might do in the, in the postseason. And the White Sox got blown up. By the Astros in in the postseason, the Sox played poorly, and Houston kicked their butts. Quite frankly, so it it seemed that there was something to that. So it will be comforting if the White Sox can beat good teams this year. I, I I'm not taking anything away from what they've done in the last five games. So they needed to get there. It didn't matter who the White Sox were playing previous to that, good teams or bad teams. Sox were just playing poorly. They're not playing perfectly now, but they're playing much better. So I don't care who the opponent is right now. If you want to look ahead on the schedule, after the White Sox play Boston this morning, they will be home to play Cleveland for three games. So that's a that's an a boost in competition. And then definitely the competition goes higher because also on that homestand, the White Sox will get to see the Yankees. It's a four-game series against the Yankees. So it's going to get hyper on the south side when the Yankees come to town. That that will be the proverbial fun early season series. And if they lose, people will say, well, it's early. And if they win, they'll say, finally, the Sox are playing better. I am of the school of... Every game is important. We take, as sports fans and sports talk radio hosts, we take every game seriously and talk about every game seriously. So I never understand the concept of downplaying games or anything that happens early in the season because it's early in the season. Don't play the games then. Let's not even talk about baseball, right, until Labor Day. If that's the way we're going to treat baseball, that everything's early and nothing matters right now, let's just talk about the Bears until until the Labor Day Bears. or the middle of June, yeah, we'll just we'll just talk Bears. We'll talk and we'll talk out of town playoffs, NBA. Um, 
So yeah, it, it it's it, it is important. It's important to me. It's in. I think it's important to a lot of fans. And I understand that sometimes we need to tell ourselves, well, it's early, so don't don't worry about it. But many a team have taken themselves out of contention early in Major League Baseball through the years. So if some people don't want to take early season baseball seriously, that's fine. But I do. And we'll talk about it until noon here on Hit and Run on the Score. Without further ado, we definitely have to get to uh, Rich in Old Town. Rich, you're wanted on the airwaves right now. What's going on, man? Hey, I want to set the record straight, and Sean knows this. I want to come off as a stat geek. It all started with sports betting 30 years ago. So I'm a data guy because the numbers don't lie. And and I, I use the trend and the data simply for that. But on top of that, to alert some of the Chicago fans, I'm not a, I'm a resident for the past 20-something years, but I'm not from here. But here's something that isn't talked about a lot. And I think the attention that Larissa and Ross are getting and the negative about how they're managing is a little silly. I think to build a franchise, you have to have consistency, continuity, and you got to build something like the – well, pick a team. The Bulls run, New England run, and I think it's built around ownership, not management. It's built around ownership. And let me give you a, the reason why. Of course, I've got to do that. I've got to come in with a statute. Right? Yeah, I know. Paul's not going to be real happy about this, Rich, but go ahead. Uh, okay, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something that's revealing. I looked at the team wins for the last decade in the MLB – and the teams that are consistent, I looked at three things, the number of wins, the win percentage, and how many times in that decade period they made the playoffs. Well, the obvious ones, and people are going to say, well, they spend all the money, but number one are the Dodgers with a 58% winning percentage over 10 years. They've made the playoffs nine. Yankees, 57% nine. And then the Cardinals are third, believe it or not, and the Rays. So it isn't buying the team, or you wouldn't see the Cardinals and Rays in there at at three and four for the past decade. Number five is the Red Sox, which is good. I had to plug them because they're my team. But then I took a look at the Cubs and the White Sox. This is the greatest bar bet you'll win in your life, even with the big Cub run from the World Series on. What do you think their record is in the last 10 years? Whose record? The Cubs. I'll give you the Cubs and White Sox. Uh, I, I have no idea. Just just lay it on me. Lay it on me. They're, they're under 500. They're 49-9 and they've been in the playoffs five times. The White Sox, the illustrious White Sox, are in 25th place with a 47-3. They're both under 500 for a decade, and they have two playoff appearances. So I think that's revealing on the ownership. I mean, what are they doing to build a franchise? I think you got to take a hard look at Ricketts and, and, uh, and Reinsdorf. I think what you have to look at, and Rich, thanks for the call. We're going to send you Paul from Valparaiso's information. I think that what you have to look at, too, and it makes sense, actually, Rich, what you're saying, that, yeah, there's culpability for the owners for sure because ultimately they are the ones that allow the resources to flow or not to flow in any given year. And we know that the resources have not exactly flowed for the Cubs and symbolic of that last year was trading you Darvish and then, you know, at the trade deadline where everybody went, but that was a different story for different reasons. So uh, w- what 
the what these owners have not been able to accomplish in this town is a sustained success or one that is that flows maybe there's a year off but there's a, a decade of sustained success sort of like what the Atlanta Braves did what Boston has done to a large degree and the Cubs had it going on they did I mean 15 16 17 18 and it sort of pulled up short, I think, of what they were trying to accomplish. Like, they didn't expect to have to go back down to to ground zero. Or not ground zero. Maybe they're at, like, a three right now. Because the Cubs are not where they were in 2012. I mean, this is this is not that bad. It's, it's different, and the plan seems more attainable to boost in the next couple of years as opposed to being the arduous process that it was leading up to 2015. But, yeah, I mean, Cubs won a World Series. They got a World Series out of that. So that that helped a lot to quell some of the the sort of panic and fears of Cubs fans. But on both sides of town, what they have not been able to accomplish is, like, a true and real legitimate sustains success and yeah some of that does fall on the owners there's no doubt about it Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. we'll get back to some more of your calls on the cubs and the white Sox. but coming up next let's go to the white Sox and talk to vinnie duber of chgo the cubs or make that the white Sox and red Sox with a 10 35 game from fenway park we'll talk to vinnie next on hit and run on chicago sports radio 670 the score Hit and run with Matt Spiegel, Sunday mornings on The Score. Had a chance to take the lead here in the 10th. Abreu hammers this ball into right center field, and this will give the White Sox the lead. Extra bases for Jose. 2-1 to one in the 10th. Still nobody out. Illoy, uh, how impressed were you with uh, what Luis Roberts Wow, what a mustache, man. It had been a while. It had been a while since you said that. Yeah. I was happy to hear it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. I think that brightens everybody's day on here when you do that. So that's good. <laughs> Welcome back in on Hit and Run. I'm Mark Rohde in for Matt Spiegel today on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. White Sox have won five in a row. They beat the Red Sox yesterday 3-1. The final score in 10. Jose Abreu and Luis Robert. Also, Lurie Garcia with key RBIs in that game. More good pitching from Dylan Cease, and the Sox are getting things together again. A lineup is in because we have the extraordinary and rare 10:35 start for the White Sox in Boston today. Lurie Garcia, who, like I said, had a key sack fly yesterday, leading off and playing right field. Luis Robert batting second and playing center. Jose Abreu, the DH, and batting third. Yasmani Grandal is playing first base and uh, is the cleanup hitter. So, yeah, is over at first. Gavin Sheets out in left field batting fifth. Jake Berger at third. Reese McGuire getting the catching assignment for this game for Tony La Russa, batting seventh and catching. Josh Harrison, the number eight hitter and playing second base. And Danny Mendick is the number nine hitter and shortstop. Dallas Keuchel is the starting pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. Let's keep the White Sox talk hot as we bring in White Sox beat writer for CHGO Sports. He is Vinny Duber, and he joins us on the score right now. What's going on, Vinny? How are you, man? I'm well, Mark. How are you doing this morning? 
I'm doing well. Yeah, we're just talking about this this weird start time for the White Sox and looking through the the lineup. As far as you know, is this just a a day off for Tim Anderson? Just a rest day for him? Yeah, that's what it seems to be. Uh, you know, the, the the guys on the on the ground at Fenway Park have been tweeting that it's just a day off for Tim Anderson, which makes sense uh, after that off day that followed the Cubs series long stretch of games for the White Sox here. And obviously Tony LaRusse is always looking to keep everybody as fresh as possible. We saw what happened, uh, you know, in the second half of last year, particularly with Tim Anderson, when, uh, you know, kind of uh, playing every day really caught up to him and and knocked him out for a little bit uh, with some of the leg stuff that he was dealing with. So, uh, you know, that's always on the top of the manager's mind. And that's, uh, that's, that's the explanation today. Yeah, it makes sense. The the White Sox have, you know, we've been talking about their five game winning streak and a it you know, dramatic win yesterday over the Red Sox three one in ten innings. What have they done better over the last five games that they've been able to put together this streak? I think it's just even even the mo- though the moments have been rare, it's the moments of just stringing a couple of hits together. That's re- that's really all it takes, and we didn't see it at all during that you know miserable losing stretch when they lost eight in a row, eleven to thirteen, and then a week ago today in that ninth inning against the Angels, they lost, but they scored five runs in the ninth inning, and it was you know going station to station, getting a walk, taking a good at bat after another good at bat. Uh, and picking up a couple of hits when they needed them. And, and really, it, you know, there's that old baseball adage of pitching defense and timely hitting. There's a reason it's timely hitting and not just hitting in general because that's really all it takes when the other two uh, elements are clicking for you. And that's really what we've seen from the White Sox. We haven't seen them pour on the runs, but we have seen them come through when it matters, clean up the defensive issues that they had during that uh, that ugly stretch. And the pitching has really, for the most part, been pretty good all year. Yeah, and yeah, we're gonna get to Dylan C's here in a second. But yeah, I mean that that game. I mean the Sox have been stranding guys left and right in that game yesterday, mostly AJ Pollock doing that. But they they got the hits when they needed them, and then it had seemed like hours that we had seen Dylan C's pitch. So let me bring it to to him. The Dylan C's yesterday, five innings, one run, four hits, eight strikeouts, three walks. They let him go 101 pitches, and right now, Vinny Duber, his ERA reads 238. What have you thought about his season, and is it, I mean, I think the key question for Dylan Cease, is it sustainable? Can he continue on this track this season? Could this be the year? Well, he's he's been excellent, and I think that we saw, again, for the most part, a sustainable Dylan Cease a year ago. It's just, I think the, the question this year is not, can you do it over the course of a full season? It's what is the next level? Uh, yeah. Because we, I mean, I think that next year we saw a, a breakout year from him, or last year rather, we saw a breakout year from him. And, you know, I showed up at spring training this year and talking to Ethan Katz about it. And, and he's like, yeah, it was a good year. You know, yeah, it was fine, but we expect more kind of thing. And it's like, wow. I mean, this guy led the team in strikeouts. You had the best rotation in the American League in the regular season. That would seem to be, you know, that you've got, you've got your guy where you want him. But they've been talking him up for so long, for years. We've heard how good the stuff is. But when you go, and, 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 you know, Tony says this all the time, it's not about, you know, it's not about throwing. It's about pitching. When you take a guy who can throw and you teach him how to pitch, then you got a guy who, who can take it to the next level. And after taking a huge step from, you know, what was a pretty bad 2020 season for him to a very good 2021 season, they think he can take another huge step to have a great 2022 season. And certainly he's off to a very good start in that department. Yeah, and it is. It is all about the stuff. And that's why I set the bar high for him, too, because, like, on a rotation with a lot of guys who have some really good stuff – 
It is Dylan Sees who just about every time he pitches, it, it is you know uttered how great his stuff is. So that sets the bar pretty high, and that that's why I asked the question. Like, can he? I don't know if he's going to be able to keep two thirty eight as an ERA for the rest of the season because then then you're talking about competing for Cy Young. But it it's like I I, I wanted the stuff to actually equal what he does in the game, and it seems like that's starting to happen now, right, Vinny? Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I, I know that like these early numbers look good and you're like, oh, well, you know, it's April, May, you know, you, you, you give them another half a run on the ERA for over the course of the year. Cause you think that water's going to find its level, so to speak, but I don't think that it's unrealistic to assume that he could keep this up for the whole year, just because that's the way the White Sox have been talking about him as this, as a guy who can blossom into this kind of pitcher. And, you know, you throw how good Lucas Giolito has been in there. You throw how good, you know, in, in his own way, Michael Kopech has been through the first bit of the year. And, you know, when Lucas went down with that injury on opening day and you already had, you know, two months of uh, being without Lance Lynn on the schedule for you, you were like, oh, man, this rotation could, could fall apart in a hurry. And really it hasn't. And it's mostly because of those three guys. Obviously, we've seen a couple good outings from Vince Velasquez, too. But uh, uh, that that Giolito, Cease, Kopech, uh, you know, trio uh, at the top for the moment. Has has really helped the White Sox kind of stay afloat in the in the starting pitching uh, d- department. That's the voice of the White Sox beat writer for CHGO Sports, Vinny Duber. I'm Mark Grody on Hit and Run, in for Matt Spiegel here on the Score. One of the guys that has not made a heavy contribution to the White Sox starting staff is the guy that is going today, Dallas Keuchel on the mound for the White Sox against Michael Walker for the Red Sox. What do you make of Keuchel and uh, are his is his days shortened here with the White Sox because of the way he's pitched and if he doesn't get things his act together? Yeah, I mean it's a it's a really interesting question, and I think you know you, you can listen to what Dallas has to say. I asked him, you know, after the after his previous start uh, against the Angels, where you know things once again did not go very well, and he said, uh, you know, I asked him, what is this? What is different about last about this year right now than last year? Like, is this the same thing that's happening because we're seeing the same results? Last year, he told us, you know, that he was dealing with a bit of an injury. He had a real string of. Uh, you know, some bad luck, but obviously was not pitching well either. He had a career high in home runs, career high in walks. Uh, it's not what you want to see from a guy who's supposed to be getting you a lot of ground balls and a lot of quick innings. Uh, but all offseason, they were confident that, that he could bounce back. He was very confident, very motivated that he could bounce back. And it wasn't crazy to hear because this is a guy who's extraordinarily accomplished in his career. A Cy Young on his resume, a World Series ring on his resume. He, I, I certainly thought it was possible, you know, that, that they, he could go back to the guy he was just two years ago and his first year with the White Sox, but the results have looked like they did last year. He doesn't think it's the same problems. He thinks that, you know, he's very close to kind of figuring this out, that he feels good, that he has confidence in his pitches. Uh, you know, he's not kind of uh, maybe searching or, 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 or trying to uh, overcorrect, so to speak, like he was a year ago. Um, but this is a results-oriented business, isn't it? And, uh, you know, I think the White Sox have been talking about a guy in, who they just signed to a minor league deal in Johnny Cueto like he's going to be here. Like he is, he is coming. You know, I mean, initially he was thought of as just a depth piece, but Tony Larusa keeps talking about him as like sooner rather than later, he's going to be in that starting rotation and they're going to give him a shot. So someone's got to come out now. Vince Velasquez, obviously before all the injuries, before even the injury to Lance Lynn, 
was pegged as a guy who could be that swingman, right, and, and, and pitch out of the bullpen. So maybe it's easier to just transition him to a bullpen role, take another few weeks of data with, with Dallas and with uh, Johnny Cueto before Lance Lynn comes back from injury and, and then make your tough decision then. But, you know, it's also the thing, you know, these games in May count just as much as the games in September. And if you're trying to win a division, if you're trying to win a World Series, how long can you go if one guy keeps giving you those same bad results over and over again, no matter how much confidence you might have in him? So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, not just over the next few weeks, but today. You know what I mean? Yeah. To see what what sort of recency bias uh, Dallas Keuchel can give the White Sox when it comes to making that those decisions. So we're going to see what happens. And uh, uh, but you're right; it, it has gone from the sort of question that is, well, Dallas Keuchel is is, is Dallas Keuchel. Look at the resume; they would, you know, they've got to right. be able to give him the long leash and 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 count on him to do something that looks like what he's done in the past. To man, maybe that next start is is a lot more important than we think it might be. Yep, the big game for Dallas Keuchel today for sure. Last question for you, Vinny Duber, and that is the right now Minnesota 17-11, and 11, White Sox three back at 500. Do you think the White Sox are still the best team in this division? I do, especially when healthy. Obviously, when healthy has not happened for these White Sox yet. And, you know, they're, they're missing one of the guy who finished third in the Cy Young vote last year. They're missing now Andrew Vaughn, a guy who was, you know, one of their hottest hitters uh, throughout much of last year and this year as well. Uh, they're just getting some guys back. You know, Yoan Moncada will be back from the injured list tomorrow, and that'll be a big boost for this lineup. Joe Kelly should be uh, coming back soon from his rehab assignment. It'll be a big boost for the bullpen. So they're getting guys back, and, 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 and certainly, uh, you know, when healthy uh, comes with a pretty huge asterisk with, for the White Sox at the moment. But I think by the time you get to the end of the season or even just the second half of the season, you're going to see the, a White Sox team that was, you know, drawn up to be this White Sox yeah. team. Uh, and, yeah, I think that they're they're probably still the class of the division. Give the Twins credit. They bulked up in the offseason. They went out and got Carlos Correa, infused themselves with some big-time talent. And their pitching has, in my opinion, drastically overperformed from what I think everybody thought was going to be the case. If they can keep that going they're going to give the White Sox fits all summer long but uh, certainly I think if you still look at the whole on paper uh, situation that they've got going there the White Sox uh, have have the advantage. Vinny thank you for the time I really appreciate it man. Hey you got it. All right that is uh, Vinny Duber of CHGO Sports. He was a good day for the bullpen for the for the White Sox yesterday. Cease had an excellent start. Bennett Souza, Jose Ruiz, um, Reynaldo Lopez, and then Liam Hendricks. He's got it back on. Thank God. You don't want to. You don't want the White Sox to do what the Red Sox have been doing these days, and that is blowing saves. And even I think Lopez is the only bullpenner of the White Sox to give up even a hit yesterday. And I'll give Lopez a lot of credit, man, because although he did allow in the in the Red Sox ninth big time spot. Allows runners second and third, one out, and then he gets Bobby Dahlbeck looking, and he he just he overmatched Dahlbeck, and then he gets Trevor Story to pop out to to second base and keep the score at one to one. So some good stuff. I really like that they found a a spot 
for Reynaldo Lopez because he's another stuff guy. He's another guy that could go out there, if starting, could go out there and strike out 12, 13 guys. And we actually saw that when he was a starter for the White Sox, but it became incredibly uneven as a starter. It was no longer tenable for Reynaldo Lopez to be a starter, but then all of a sudden he's back last year and he's in the bullpen and he has been thriving in that position ever since. But all bets are off if Dallas – like, if Keigel's bad today – then the Sox might have to make a decision. And who knows? I mean, Reynaldo Lopez could be a part of that. Could they stretch him out a little bit? Or do you just keep him in the position in which he has been succeeding, which which seems to make sense as well. This is Hit and Run. I'm Mark Grody in for Speaks today. Hope uh, everybody is having a happy Mother's Day. Hello to all the mothers out there. Hello to Gene Grody, who's probably in church right now. I'm going to see Gene Grody later on today after I finished with Hit and Run at noon today. And coming up next, Lucas Giolito was on the score yesterday, and I am hungry to hear what he has to say because he's pitching well and he's got a great personality and always has fun things to say on the radio, in particular here on the score. I'm Mark Grody, Hit and Run, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.